You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. Part of the 247sports.com network. We're with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Still time. Still time to get those Mother's Day orders in at Peterbrook Chocolates here. Get that special basket. This coming from, as you know by now, the official the official quality control manager for Peterbrook Chocolatier. That's the recommendation from that guy is to go the basket route. Do it big for mama on Mother's Day 2021 there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Join on the program by, at this point, an overly excited, maybe the best way to describe Jacob Harrison, on the eve of the 2021 NFL Draft. Do I even need to ask how Jacob Harrison's doing on this Wednesday morning? Do I need to ask, Jacob? Woo! Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Ric Flair can sum it up a little bit. I do got to say, I mean, if if the NFL draft is a three-day holiday, then what do we get on on NFL draft eve? I feel like I oh. need some Christmas Eve vibes today instead of to you know just sit here and wait for the next 24 hours to go by. Yeah, maybe just uh, – maybe they should do it where on draft eve you get to actually make like a seventh-round pick. Do the seventh round on draft eve. Kind of like Christmas Eve when you were a kid and you got to open that one gift – and if you had ranked your gifts in sort of order of the NFL draft, rounds one through seven, most times that gift that your folks would let you open on Christmas Eve, it was the equivalent of a late-round pick, right? I mean, it wasn't going to be the centerpiece gift for you. You weren't going to open that one on Christmas Eve. I remember opening gifts on Christmas Eve and it being pajamas, you know, uh, long john socks one year i think it was a sleeping bag so we could sleep in the sleeping bags on christmas eve maybe maybe consider that jacob maybe 
maybe make the seventh round. Uh, kind of like your kind of like your first four games in the NCAA tournament. You know, have your your lowest seeds play some of your lowest seeds anyway, and and maybe have one a low round pick, a random round, maybe say the sixth round, something like that. What do you think, Jake? I think the logistics might need some thinning out, but uh, <laughs> you know. yeah, it's kind of hard to project your rounds that way, right? Right, you know? right. Uh, well, if we're gonna go ahead and pick six rounders, how do we know what we had picked beforehand? Yeah, I guess maybe. It was just a thought anyway. Hey, uh, the Alabama baseball team did it big last night over in Birmingham to the tune of a 9-3 to win over the UAB Blazers. Alabama now 25-15 and overall. Got Missouri coming to the Joe this weekend, returned to SEC action. Very productive night at the dish for the Alabama baseball team. How many doubles can you hit in one game? One, two, three, four. It looks like uh, six doubles last night for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Caden Rose with a double and a home run. So uh, nice offensive performance. Alabama obviously needed it after that Sunday up there in Lexington, Kentucky. And again, need to take care of some business at home at the Joe with the Missouri Tigers in Tuscaloosa this weekend. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to jump on board with us on a Wednesday, you are more than welcome to do so. Starting to feel like summer already. A little summery, the weather, around the southeastern region of the United States. So uh, we get ready for that. I've already played more golf in the last two weeks than I've probably played in the last three years prior to the previous two weeks. A lot of golf for me. Might do it again on this Wednesday afternoon. The chocolate lady now. Now I've got the chocolate lady fired up about getting the sticks out and maybe going around and uh, playing nine holes. As I've said before, I'm a ceremonial golfer at this point. I'm a nine-holer for the most part. You know, much more than nine holes uh, you know, I, I not, don't get all that excited about, but this weather, man, this weather's making us get out and do some things we typically wouldn't otherwise. We're also going to obviously continue to talk about the NFL draft on the program today. Jacob, uh, I'm at the point where I just tell people to turn the tape back on. It seems like we were in turn the tape on season back in the early stages of the draft process, then we get into pro days, then we get into measurables, then we get into medicals, all the data, all the stuff. And I think that's where we're at. We're certainly at that point with Devontae Smith. I mean, we're still talking about 165 pounds with Devontae Smith. You know what? That's what he's been the last, uh, well, the last three or four years. And I saw John Ledyard, who for my money, does as good a job in draft analyst work as anybody out there. You don't see John on ESPN. You don't see John on the NFL Network. Uh, but John, we've had on the program here in the past. He breaks it down. And he made the point that, you know, Devontae at 165 pounds had a big game against Georgia in 2020 with Tyson Campbell, who was a corner. Think about this corner tandem back in high school. Your corners down in South Florida, I believe it was American Heritage, the school down there uh, in South Florida. Your corners down there were Patrick Sertan II 
and Tyson Campbell. You know, it's a pretty good duo at the high school level. Well, Devontae had a big game against Tyson Campbell in the Georgia Bulldogs last October. And so John's right about that. But you know what else? Go look at turn on the tape season and go look at Devontae Smith against Derek Stingley Jr. the last two years. Who is most likely to be the first corner off the board in 2022? Good chance it's Derek Stingley Jr. Kind of a sophomore slumpy type season for Derek Stingley in 2020. Had an illness early in the season. Had to miss the season opener against Mississippi State. You know, shut it down late in the season, especially after getting torched by Devontae for a second straight year. Devontae put, we're talking DBU, okay? Right? That's what we're told time and time again about LSU. Now, some of the numbers here in the last five, six, seven years might dictate otherwise. But we're told incessantly, DBU at LSU. What did Devontae Smith do in his last two games against his home state school? What was it, 444 receiving yards as a junior and senior in those uh, games against LSU? 200-plus in both the games. A lot of that coming against Derek Singley Jr. Turn on the tape season. We're back to it. We're back to it. Mac Jones continues to be and will be right up until that third pick is made tomorrow night by the San Francisco 49ers. A major part of the storyline going into the draft there in Cleveland, Ohio. And another sort of, I wouldn't say that uh, Jordan Reed is totally under the radar as a draft analyst, but we like Jordan too. Jordan Reed at the draftnetwork.com. He has come out with his final mock heading into tomorrow night's draft. And Jacob Harrison, he has Trey Lance, number three overall to the San Francisco 49ers. So how about that? That's kind of in line. It's in line with Jacob Harrison's smokescreen proclamation. I've been uh, looking at Benjamin Albright, who's been one of the more accurate mock drafters for the past few years, and he also has Trey Lance at three. There you go. There you go. It's starting to swing towards Jacob Harrison as we get down the stretch here. Now, Jacob, you're a mockster as well. Have you authored, have you issued your final cut as we head into the draft with your uh, your mock for 2021. The picks are in. The analysis part of the writing the mock has not been completed. It will be done uh, shortly after the show. Now, will there be like a white smoke there at the Tide 100.9 studios when that is finalized? Kind of like the Vatican, you know, when we have a new pope. Will there be a billowing of white smoke when you finalize that mock there over there off Skyland? I, I'm sure somebody will be celebrating. It might only be <laughs> me, though. <laughs> I, th- I think everybody else would just be ready for me to shut up about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody will at least vape, you know, when you finish that, when you finished uh, that mock. So am I assuming, I don't want to give it all away here if you haven't authored or issued the final release here. So am I assuming correctly that you too will have Trey Lance there at number three? I uh, I, I had already determined this one uh, and, and, and even said it on Monday. There was no taking uh, Justin Fields out of the third overall pick. It's, it's the stake bet I've got with Gary. It's the one I've been okay. saying the whole right. time. You're committed. Uh, You're but committed. I'm not going to be shocked if it's any of the three, to be honest. But I think mm-hmm. it should be Justin mm-hmm. Fields. 
So here, Jordan Reed of the DraftNetwork.com, he has Trey Lance three to the uh, 49ers. He has Justin Fields four to the Falcons. I don't know if you're the Falcons. Um, if you're really, again, if you're really considering moving Julio Jones, I'm not sure how you look away from Kyle Pitts or maybe even Jamar Chase of LSU there or a wide receiver of some kind in the four hole. I know you've got Calvin Ridley there. So you feel good about Calvin and his potential to elevate to more of a true number one, I would think. And if that's the case, then for me, unless you're just going total rebuild and blow it up mode and you want to go a quarterback there, I just don't think once you get past Trevor Lawrence, there's enough of a certainty for me at quarterback in a blow-up mode. Like, in blow-up mode, I don't like Mac Jones to the Falcons. You know, if you're building on upside at that point, I don't like uh, I don't like Mac Jones. I like Mac Jones to the 49ers because I like Mac Jones floor, higher floor in comparison, NFL readiness in comparison to Justin Fields and Trey Lance. So I don't like Mac at four. I, I I can't tell you with great certainty that I love Justin Fields for the future. Now, it makes sense, hometown guy in Justin Fields. There is undeniable upside with Justin Fields, but I, I think it's still a bit of a crapshoot with Justin Fields in the top five of the NFL draft. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Falcons do there at four. Probably, maybe even more so than the 49ers, because we know the 49ers are taking a quarterback. We're just not sure who. With the Falcons, it could be a wide receiver. It could be a tight end. It could be a quarterback. Uh, Jordan Reed has the Bengals at five taking Jamar Chase, making him the first wide receiver off the board and reuniting Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow up there in Cincinnati. I think if, if the Dolphins... They have Mike Gusecki at tight end, who's a really good player at the tight end position. He was really, you could tell, watching Tua as a rookie last year in Miami, you could tell that if there was any type of trust level that Tua had with any of his receivers, it was Gusecki. And despite that, Jordan Reed still has Kyle Pitts uh, going to the Dolphins and if I'm the Dolphins there at six and Kyle Pitts lands there to me, I don't know how I don't take him, even though I already have Gusecki. Uh, the Detroit Lions, here's some great news for Alabama based on Jordan Reed's mock. Jordan doesn't have an Alabama player going to Detroit, <laughs> and especially a wide receiver, man. That's the one thing if you're an Alabama fan tomorrow night you should hope the most for is that an Alabama wide receiver, Waddle or Devontae Smith, doesn't get stuck with the Detroit Lions. Instead, Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon, according to Jordan Reed, likely headed to the Motor City. Another offensive tackle, number eight overall, according to Jordan Reed, going to Carolina and Rashawn Slater of Northwestern. First corner off the board, according to Jordan Reed, won't be Patrick Sertan II. It'll be J.C. Horn of South Carolina going to the Denver Broncos, number nine overall. Uh, now, look, Jordan does have Patrick Sertan going to pick later to the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm going to guess if you're Patrick Sertan II, Jacob, and you can go nine overall, 
to the Broncos or go a pick later to the Cowboys, you're probably happier going 10th, right, to the Cowboys. I would think you would be on a multitude of levels. You're going to a better team. You're going to a bigger brand. Uh, you're going to be playing with a guy you're familiar with and Trayvon Diggs. 11 overall, Jordan Reed has uh, Quiddy Pay, the edge defender from Michigan. And then you get into the Alabama receivers with Jalen Waddell at 12, reuniting with Jalen Hurts up there in Philadelphia. Other Alabama players, Jordan Reed has Mac Jones going 15th overall to the New England Patriots. Now, Jordan notes here, he thinks Mac will actually go higher than 15 overall. I just think Jordan likes the fit with the Patriots and perhaps the Patriots trade up into the top 10 to go after Mac Jones. 16th overall, Devontae Smith, mid-first round for Devontae to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Christian Barmore, a pick later, according to Jordan Reed, to the LA, uh, to the Las Vegas Raiders, excuse me. And so it's pretty interesting looking at Jordan's offering here. On the eve of the 2021 NFL Draft, Jacob Harrison very happy that Jordan, too, sees Najee Harris headed to Jacob's Pittsburgh Steelers there at number 24 overall. Um, Alex Leatherwood, how about that for maybe a little bit of a surprise? Jordan Reed has Alex Leatherwood as a late first-rounder to the Green Bay Packers. So how many Alabama guys is that? That's Alex Leatherwood. That's Najee. That's Devontae. That's Barmore. Five. That's seven. Jordan Reed has seven Alabama players going in the first round of the 2021 NFL draft. And that, my friends, would be a new NFL draft record for first round picks from a particular program. We're going to head to our first break. We come back. Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. He'll join us on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Kaneka Sausage, a true Southern flavor since 1947 and now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Visit online at KanekaSausage.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. For the third time this season, Alabama's Montana Fouts has been named the SEC Softball Pitcher of the Week. The league office announced on Tuesday. Fouts appeared in all three games last week, earning a complete game win in a pair of saves. She's secured the final out in Wednesday's 6-3 win over Ole Miss for her second save of the year before returning to the circle on Saturday against 13th-ranked Louisiana, throwing a complete game with 11 strikeouts and the 5-3 win over the Raging Cajuns. It marked her sixth straight start with 10 or more strikeouts, all of which have come against ranked opponents. She closed out Sunday's 5-1 win against Louisiana with a three-inning save, giving up a hit to the first batter she faced before retiring the next nine straight, including four strikeouts. I'll have more in a moment. Our newest partner on the Crimson Tide Sports Network is already an Alabama favorite. Kaneka Sausage is now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Kaneka's tradition of making the finest hickory smoked sausage hasn't changed in over 70 years. Always great for breakfast and now a tailgate grilling tradition. Kaneka Sausage, made in Evergreen, Alabama and a true southern flavor since 1947. And now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson 
Crimson Tide. Alabama Track and Field's Tamara Clark secured National Athlete of the Week and SEC Women's Runner of the Week honors, announced on Tuesday. Clark snags the weekly honors after a record-breaking performance at the LSU Alumni Gold last weekend. Clark ran a personal record of 10.96 in the 100 meters at the LSU Alumni Gold Meet, winning the race in school record time. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Kaneka Sausage. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon with a partially sunny sky, the high 84. For tonight, mostly fair with a low at 66. Tomorrow, clouds gradually increasing during the day. We'll have a chance of showers and thunderstorms by tomorrow night, the high at 83. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com. Or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, senior analyst for BOL with you. Weekday mornings from 11 a.m. until noon. It's that time on Wednesdays. We like to head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Check in with Cecil Hurt, of course, of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. And Cecil, as we bring you on here, we've had the discussion in the past relative to the dynastic run of the Miami Hurricanes from really, I guess, 83 into the early aughts. Uh, right. Looking at what Alabama has done under Nick Saban in his tenure there in Tuscaloosa. And I see where, from an NFL draft perspective, you've updated us on kind of where that tally stands between, say, the 2001 Miami team and that 2017 roster that Alabama assembled? Yeah, it can run together sometimes on who was exactly where, when, and when did, when was Warren Sapp at Miami or Vinny Testaverde or you know, when was Derrick Henry at Alabama. Um, and so, so there are a million ways to break it down as to who's produced the most. Uh, we just took that 2001 Miami uh, that that's generally been considered most conversations over the past 20 years, the greatest, maybe not the greatest team, you know, but certainly the greatest roster, the the depth number of guys who went on and, and a lot, not all of it. I mean, they were, they were great at their time, but then they, so many of them went on to NFL hall of fame, going to be hall of fame. Uh, could be Hall of Fame careers that um, it's generally been the the 
benchmark team of the past 20 years. But just wanted to see as Alabama puts more guys off of 2017 roster into the NFL, another first-round quarterback. You know, how do you evaluate that? And just wanted to see where they stack up. And that's with, you know, most of the Alabama players from the 17th team, you know, their their pro future is, is still ahead of them. Um, obviously, you know, Minka has is, is been a success. You know, high, high hopes for Quinn and Williams. Um, and, but, you know, we're talking about uh, Devontae, Najee, those guys, it's all in front of them. So, so uh, it's not an evaluation that's complete. But I thought it was, first of all, it was good nostalgia just to go back over that 2001 Miami team. And they seem to have, even at positions where they weren't just that. I mean, there's that, the secondary is insane. I mean, the secondary off that team is nuts. Um, but they'd have one guy or two guys, you know, Vilma at linebacker, um, Will Fork at, at nose tackle, uh, Brian yeah. McKinney. Um, you know, so, so a, a lot of really talented guys. Now, the other thing that's going to come if, if one or, or let's say two of Alabama's quarterbacks, and you're talking about the, you know, Jalen was on the 2017 team, so you're talking about Tua, Jalen, and Mac. If one or, or maybe two of those guys, wins the Super Bowl, wins an MVP, becomes a really established starter, then they're going to be ahead of Dorsey. You know, they're going to have eclipsed what he did, which was mm-hmm. um, pretty pedestrian in terms of NFL career. Now, he's, he's you know, it's not a knock on him. I think he's the quarterback coach for Buffalo now. So, uh, But it's an interesting comparison. People who saw 2001 Miami, Realize what a great roster was. The one other thing, 2001 was the peak. And by 2004, Miami was still, they weren't putting a roster like that out on the field. Whereas Alabama, you go from 2015 to 2000, what, what may be in 2019, and they may not have hit a peak yet. So, so a lot of fascinating stuff to watch, but wanted to at least approach it based on this year, as much on Alabama's having the third quarterback drafted as anything else. Yeah, Butch Davis back around that time, you could maybe make the argument he took a step down in personnel to go to Cleveland, right? Uh, they would have probably, since, <laughs> since, they end, since I guess Dorsey ended up playing a little bit in Cleveland anyway. Um, yeah, you, it, I think the Browns would have been better with Ed Reed, Jeremy Shockey, um, <laughs> Brian McKinney, Vilma, Wolford. Was Frank Sean Taylor Moore. on that team? I can't remember. Which one? Sean Taylor. Yeah, Sean Taylor, yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Antrell Roll, Rump. <laughs> Uh, I didn't even, you know, I, I said nice things as I should about about Minka and and Ronnie Harrison and Alabama. Yeah. 
Now, come on. Come on. There's no. <laughs> you know, Ed Reed That's and crazy. Sean Taylor and. No. Guys. That's I, amazing. I'm not going to come to that group. Hey, Cecil, in terms of value on the recruiting trail, mm-hmm. what do these next three days, how do they stack up in terms of what this program benefits from throughout a football season with an emphasis on championship time and the college football playoff? In your opinion, again, the impact that tomorrow night especially makes on recruits out there. Is, is there a way to sort of uh, rank uh, the, the different the different sort of mile markers throughout a calendar year uh, when you're in the recruiting business like Nick Saban is and as far as impact that it has on, on recruits? I, I think you'll see some of that. You know, and Alabama's at the, at the top of that list, and I think they're pretty – Shrewd about their marketing, you will you will certainly hear um, the first guy that gets picked in the from Alabama in the first round that that extends their years with a first round draft choice well beyond anybody else's. Um, I, I think they've done a good job, for instance, of of targeting specific position groups. Um, I know if you talk to the Brock Myers, that you know, their decision between Alabama and Texas, a good part of it was that Alabama's been putting offensive linemen in the league steadily right on every year. Alex Weatherwood this year and Landon Dickerson. And, and so, yeah, if you're a national offensive line recruit, they're going to, they're going to target that. They're going to, and, and they, you know, Alex and Landon are both going to be right on the cusp probably of being in tomorrow night. And if one of them goes in the first, um, you'll see that on their, their social media. You'll see that on their Twitter. And I'll guarantee you, you'll see um, the recruits, the top offensive line recruits get a text message, you know, or a phone call from Nick Saban. So they'll, pretty good. They'll, pretty good week and a half or so, I guess, Cecil, when you can tweet out the national championship rings and then have the NFL draft right there with that. Yeah, that's you know this is this is, um, and, and it's just amazing to think that that um, Nick Nick Saban's first group, the inherited group, uh, didn't have a draft choice. Didn't, <laughs> didn't have a guy. Now that they, they had some future, you know, Andre was going to be a first right. rounder and so forth, but didn't. That that specific um, 2007, 2007, 2008, um, 2008 draft didn't really have a guy. Yeah, zero um, in that 2008 draft. Zero. So think about think about that and how they built that and changed that. And you know, so much of it now, you almost the recruits almost know it in their DNA. You just know that, that Alabama puts a lot of guys in, and I was I was fascinated, Travis, just for us. Older, you know, people look at the SEC and they'll they'll look. You know, at some point this weekend, the SEC will tweet out this is the 
13th, 14th consecutive year that they've had the most draft choices. You know, it wasn't that way in the 70s and 80s. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the, there weren't any SEC teams that were just putting um, factory-level numbers in there. The, the, strong, the, the teams of the 70s and 80s were uh, Big 12, Pac-12, a uh, little bit of you know Notre Dame, but USC had a lot. Um, obviously, the team of the seventies and eighties, probably. Um, how much? Oklahoma, how much do you think Colorado, the, the wishbone uh, and the triple yeah, option was pretty prevalent back then, though? Right, Cecil? Do you think that had something do to do with with some of that? What was that? The wishbone and the triple option in the seventies. Yeah, do you think that probably a little bit? Probably yeah. a little bit, um, but you know the, those Big Twelve and Pac twelve teams—they were keeping. You know, first of all, Southern Cal and and California schools were keeping all their guys at home. You know, guys that yeah, it was a rare guy, and it wasn't a five star that was coming from L.A. to Alabama. You know, that, that didn't that route didn't work. So now it does. You know, now it does. Um, but when people get say they're tired of the SEC and the SEC doing all this chest stuff, yeah. and there's a reason because because it didn't used to be that they'd have six of the top ten schools or whatever they wouldn't have any or might have one LSU always seemed to have some talent. Um, and you know Alabama put some guys in, Auburn clearly put some guys in, but I'm talking about the sheer draft numbers. This. It, it, SEC dominance now. This is just an SEC um, showcase. That's that's really only over the last fifteen years. Yeah, the prolific nature of SEC football now in every aspect of the game it absolutely wears on folks. That being said, from the Alabama perspective, Cecil, it's amazing. We talked last week about the concerns with Devontae Smith's weight and. As we get closer and closer to the draft, it's it's become more and more amazing to me, Cecil, how Alabama players have seemingly gotten worse. I don't know how, but it, <laughs> it, it seems like they've they've, yeah, they've lost I wrote some about ability Sunday. and talent here down the stretch, Cecil. I, I wrote about that Sunday. So how with <laughs> with all the limitations their guys had, how did Alabama win any games? Damn to sing, Cecil. Yeah, you know, um, Devontae's really not big enough. I mean, you know, Waddle Waddle got had an injury. Mac's not yeah. accurate. You know? um, right. It's remarkable that they gained a yard. Um, so, yet they managed to do it somehow. I don't know how. And and I will say this: this isn't just a oh they all pick on out. They pick on everybody. You know, they're talking about whether Trevor Trevor Lawrence is dedicated to football or not. You know. They pick on Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. They pick on Justin Fields. They pick on Jamar Chase. You know, they pick on Tanae Sewell. It's all gamesmanship at that, at, or a lot of it is gamesmanship at that level. Um, and it, it just speaks to the magnitude of the the process now and how publicized it is, right? How much right. how much we crave it in terms of coverage. They they got to give you something every day. It feels like. 
And it's got to be a little different because there's a thousand mm-hmm. guys trying. You know, I mean, there's, ESPN has their guys and Fox has their guys. And, you know, NFL Network has their guys and everybody has their guys. And so, um, but it works. <laughs> At least some fan bases, it works them into a frenzy. That's three picks tomorrow night, whether it's Mac or not. Wow. Mac, that's um, that, that's going to set the tone. We talked about it the last couple of days. If if the Lions just won't pick one of Alabama's receivers, I think it'll be a successful draft from the Alabama perspective. Just keep <laughs> these receivers away from Detroit, Cecil. Yeah, um, I'll be interested. Yeah, I know a lot of people are interested in Miami uh, getting somebody to, to go with Tua, um, getting Devontae or, or Waddle to go with to uh, where where Miami's sitting, I, again, it's just going to depend. I would be hard pressed if, if Sewell, Panay Sewell, drops to that. You know, if I'm the Bengals, if I'm the Dolphins, and I picked a quarterback in the first round last year, I'm looking for a tackle. You know, I'm looking mm-hmm. for a guy that protect. You know, just like you buy, just like you you, you buy the the Bentley truck. Um, and then you figure out how you're going to insure it. You know, um, you don't want to put, I mean, might make it look better if you get, you know, new rims or, or whatever you do, but you got to insure. And so I, the teams that, that took those guys highly last year, Joe, whether it's Cincinnati, whether it's Miami, you got to, I mean, Yes, it's important. It would help Tua. I haven't seen the Dolphins last year. It would help Tua. Waddle uh, would help him. Devontae would help him. Lamar Chase would help him. But I, I'm I'm a little bit more of an insurance guy. Make him safe. Six first-rounders for Miami in 2004. And I was referring to a particular mock draft in the first segment of today's program that had seven Alabama players tomorrow night, included Alex Leatherwood in the first round late to the Green Bay Packers uh, to go along with the the six others that we've heard as prime candidates for first-round status. Uh, where do you sit on that, Cecil? What are you kind of envisioning maybe for tomorrow night? If I, if I put the total, the over-under at five-and-a-half for Alabama first-rounders, on Thursday night, would you go over or under that? Ooh, five or six. Let me think. I think both receivers will, will go. Uh, I right. can't see that far. Both receivers, uh, Mac, Sertan, that's I four. I think sure. Mac will go. Sertan's probably the, the surest pick on the mm-hmm. board in, in terms of this is what he is, this is what he can do. You know, he's a he's a plug-in NFL corner, he's going to get drafted. That's, that one's pretty easy. So, uh, Christian Barmore, who I, I wrote about this week, he might he, he might really be a case of the, the right dude at the right position at the right time because he's I could certainly see a lot of benefits for Christian coming back. 
mm-hmm. of the maturity technique, so forth. But if there's not any other pass rushing tackle, pass rushing interior guys out there, then you're, you're going to be the first yeah. one taken. You know, why, why would you come back? I couldn't. I couldn't advise him to come back. The, the one thing I'll say is, I think the NFL team that takes him will need to be patient. And you're hearing some of that. So, and that that it's so hard in that twenty to let's say early second twenty to thirty six. Mm-hmm. Um. Somewhere in there, I think you'll see Leatherwood, Landon, uh, Barmore, although he could go a little higher because of what we're talking about. Najee. Najee. And and those four are going to make the difference because I think the other four are pretty pretty secure. So um, seven's possible. I'd probably take the... I'd probably As take six, feeling like I feeling like I had four in the hand. Yeah, and two wild I was cards. Hit two out of those others. Yeah, I more think Najee at this point is a pretty safe guy as a fifth. And then you're right, Barmore is kind of all over the place. It seems like, and then you know, a surprise, a potential surprise guy, and a Leatherwood or a Dickerson, or you know, you, you get into that that bottom half of those six, seven, or eight guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah makes a lot of sense. What I can tell, and I don't know what your your people are saying, Alex's stock is is kind of moved up a little bit. I think people are looking at what's available, and, and it's such a debate. You know, there, there's so many rabbit holes you can go down to down, and one of them, and this isn't an original thought with me, but it's definitely at, at the high end debate level <laughs> is that the way they define a, a tackle prospect now there are no tackles you know until until jonathan ogden comes again you know there's not going to be a tackle. anthony munoz tony baselli yeah, yeah. There, there there are no you know nobody is the perfect tackle that they want who's six seven and Long arms, and great technique, and great feet, and you know, there are everybody, you know, and and like Alex Leatherwood. Well, is he a tackle? Well, you know, we might want to move him inside. Might want to, you know, there are no tackles. I don't know why. Well, you know, James Carpenter in that 2011 draft, he was drafted late first by the Seahawks as a tackle. Ended up moving inside to guard, but he's played ten years now. In the NFL, I, I'd say that's validation as a first-round pick. If you play 10 years in the National Football League as a late first-round pick, I think you justified your your place as a, yeah, a, a first-rounder. If that's what happens with Alex, then I, I can see a very similar scenario for Alex Leatherwood. <laughs> I will say the, the yeah, if, there, if somebody is a tackle, uh, I will – Andre Smith is a tackle. Yes. Uh, Yes. And he's going to have a long career if he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm really it's it's been a shame that Jonah Williams hasn't been able to get healthy. Yeah, and yeah. see what he could as a tackle. But yeah, there's you know they, they, you look at these draft boards and nobody is a tackle because I, again I think they're looking for for you know Jonathan Ogden out there. 
and and you know Walter Jones, and you're just not going to get them. That well, if the Titans could take Isaiah Wilson late first last year, I got reason to think Alex might be able to sneak in the late first Trav, this year. Trav, Isaiah has, has announced the start <laughs> of his draft career. I wonder if you're going to go out and download that first release. Oh, yes. He, you know, he decided that it was music, you know, and uh, oof. <laughs> I, that, I, just seeing Isaiah Wilson's – react was mother's reaction to his pick it's an all-timer for me from last year's draft but um you know cecil just when we thought alabama fans had enough of a draft process to follow with the nfl here comes the nba with josh primo uh in that process uh you hearing anything early in relation to josh and you know kind of where he stands maybe in the eyes of the nba i did see where josh giddy uh the 18 year old out of australia declared for the NBA draft yesterday. Maybe that's beneficial to Alabama and its hopes of getting Primo back because Giddy is a, a pretty highly regarded wing guard type in himself. Uh, himself. What, what do you think with Primo? It's still early, I know, but uh, yeah, Josh, what's kind of next young. in that process? It, it's funny how, you know, you talked about how young Kyra was and Primo. I think Primo's birthday, if Primo had been born a couple of weeks later, uh, he wouldn't even be eligible for this draft, so he wouldn't he wouldn't be eighteen at, mm-hmm. at the deadline date. So um, I think he'll go through the process, and um, you know he has an agent. You never know what they hear or what what they're convinced is going to happen. I think it would take a first round guarantee from somebody, you know, a legitimate first round guarantee. From a club, not from you know the guy down the street who said, "Hey, you're a first rounder." Uh, for Josh not to come back for one more year, um, so it's nothing is a hundred percent in those situations. I wouldn't say that Shaq is a hundred percent. Just people hear what they want to hear sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I would expect <laughs> since you're offering it in wagering draft propositions i would expect them <laughs> both to be back but you know that you go through the process to to see what happens and um I, I do think that the success that that herb and john petty had coming back i do think that um sets an example for for kids Well, Cecil, as always, we appreciate the time on the program. Always great stuff there, as we've come to expect throughout the years at Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. Enjoy that draft. I know you'll be just fixated on those uh, seven rounds. You'll be in it for all seven rounds, right, Cecil? I may miss a a round on Saturday, but I will watch. I will watch Kentucky Derby. Yeah, I need your pick because the daughter's going up there, and I got to get I got to get down on one. Get, give me a winner. I need a winner. I'm just betting a um, winner. I'm going to go away from the favorite. Essential quality. I, I think he's a good favorite. He's not the overwhelming favorite that we've had recently. He could certainly win. He's undefeated. Um, you know, Hot Rod Charlie will be out on the front. Uh, Essential quality ran him down and. In uh, California, 
Um, pretty impressive what he could do. But you know, she wants to she wants to make a, a dollar and a dime up there. If she's up there. Uh, so. I want value, man. I want to, you know, I, I I don't mind a little bit of a long shot. So if there's good value with essential yeah, quality, midnight, that's what I that's what I'm going to do. I, I like I like midnight bourbon uh, and okay. and Brooklyn strong. Okay. So all right, see what goes to. You know, she's only worried about her derby hat. She's not really worried about a winner. But I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to get a W here. Right. So. You're, you're sending, if you're sending a twenty up there with her, you know. We'll, yeah, um, that's all I'm doing. You, you want to, like I say, you want, you want to, you put down a dollar, you want to get a dollar and a dime back. So that's absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're down. We got them. We got them. Season. Um, we look forward to the, it on Saturday. Now the exotics. That's going to be up to her. You know, her, her. Um, Quinella and Zactas and Super Exactas. <laughs> oh, well, we look forward to it. No doubt about it. Hey, Cecil, thanks a lot. We'll talk again sure. next week. Sure. There you go, Cecil Hurt at the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. We're down. We got our derby picks official for Southern Fried Sports. Back to put a wrap on the show right after this. If you own a small business, Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon with a partially sunny sky, the high 84. For tonight, mostly fair with a low at 66. Tomorrow, clouds gradually increasing during the day. We'll have a chance of showers and thunderstorms by tomorrow night, the high at 83. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 79 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back to put a wrap on a Wednesday edition of Southern Pride Sports. Meant to get into this, but we uh, are up against it. Chris Hummer of 247sports.com. Outstanding piece on the Alabama quarterback room that included Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, and Tua Tagovailoa. You can find that both at BamaOnline.com and 247sports.com right now. Some really great insight from some different angles, some different individuals that were a part of that scene. Back around 2017, 2018. Good stuff from the professorial one, the college football professor. Chris Hummer there at 247sports.com. Thanks to Cecil Hurt for joining us on the program. Thanks to Jacob Harrison, Jacob Harrison for producing the show. The Lodge Whistle on this Wednesday. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard, North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Get by there and try the meat law. Meat loaf. Ma, meat loaf. Southern Ale House. Great, great stuff. Got that tomato jam on there for you. Woof. Bacon wrapped. Woof. Great house made sides as well. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Thursday. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. Thank you.